You're listening to Mapleview Community Church Podcast. Thank you, Pastor Jay, for your invitation to be here. Thank you, uh, Mapleview, for coming. And some, some came to the first service as well. They've obviously never heard me before. But you're back here today, and it's great. It's so good to see familiar faces. Uh, Pastor Jay mentioned that we met in 1989, and I got to know Jay and Jody around that time. That's when I moved to Agent Court, and he was pastoring in Stouffville at the time. And uh, so we were there. I, I know Sarah Lynn and Tim, who have recently joined your staff. I've known them for years. Uh, their families, uh, both families I've known. I, I've known Pastor Craig. I used to, don't tell him I said that because he's not in the service, but I used to score regularly on him. He was goalie, and I scored on him a lot. That's how I remember it. Pastor John Rotz is another one of your pastors. And Pastor John and I worked together at Coburg Camp when we both had hair that wasn't quite as gray and beards that weren't gray. We were much younger. No better looking, I don't think, but younger anyway. But it's always good to see familiar faces, isn't it? Not always. Tony Campolo tells the story of one day he was on his way to work. It was a rainy day. He went to his closet to find an umbrella. There were none there. He realized he'd left them all at the office on other rainy days. So he walked down to the bus stop, took the bus stop to the subway, walked down the steps, walked across the platform, got on his train. When they announced his stop, without thinking, he reached over and he grabbed the umbrella that was on the seat next to him. A lady said, young man, that's my umbrella. And he apologized profusely, went to work. At the end of the day, his wife called and said to his admin assistant, get Tony to bring home our umbrellas, please. And so he went to the closet. Sure enough, there were four umbrellas of theirs in the closet at the office. He tucked them under his arm and he... Uh, and he walked back to the subway. He walked down the platform. He walked, walked down the stairs to the platform, walked across the platform, and that's when he met a familiar face. He met the face. He saw the woman that he had seen in the morning whose umbrella he had tried to steal. And she looked at him with his four umbrellas under his arm, and he looked at her, and she said, well, you've had a good day of it, haven't you? <laughs> So it's not always good to see familiar faces, but in the case today, it is. I am thrilled to be here at Mapleview to talk about Erdo. And how many know, before, before I get underway, how many of you would say, I know all about Erdo. It's, I know all about it, Pastor John. You don't even have to tell me anything. I know. Can I see your hands if that's some of you? Yeah, there's three or four of you like that. How many say, well, I know a little bit about Erdo. I know it's a good thing, but I, don't, I know a little bit. How many would say that's you? You would know a little bit about Erdo. How many of you would say, I have no sweet clue what Erdo is? Okay, five of you voted the whole time. I don't know what that's about. But anyway, those of you that just said you had no idea what Erdo is, we're going to have an altar call right now. So if you bow your heads, no, we won't do that. Erdo is an acronym. Erdo is an acronym for Emergency Relief and Development Overseas. And Erdo is a humanitarian arm of the Pentecostal Assemblies of Canada. We've always been a humanitarian organization, but in 1983, something happened that changed us and made us realize we need to be more intentional about our efforts. In 1983, oh, oh there we are, sorry. In 1983, there was, a, there was a crisis, a drought in the Horn of Africa, in Ethiopia. How many remember the Ethiopian crisis on television? Children with emaciated stomachs, the world took notice. Bob Geldof wrote a song that they still play on the radio every year at Christmas. Do they know it's Christmas time at all? And so humanitarian speaking, we'd always been humanitarian, but the PAOC said at that time, you know what, we need to do something specifically, and Erdo was born. 
In 2003, Erdo became a separate charity to reach the humanitarian needs in the world. In fact, let me talk to you quickly about our mission. Our mission is to passionately respond to the practical needs of people and crises, people living in poverty around the world. We know that we have to preach the gospel, but we also know we have to touch people when they're going through crises. In fact, our vision talks to that. We, we see Christ-motivated community and individual transformation by meeting basic human needs and fostering social, economic, and spiritual potential. The vision of Erdo and the, and the mission of Erdo is based on this premise. People don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. And we believe that if someone's stomach is growling so loud, they're not going to listen to the gospel as it's preached until you feed them. And so Erdo is all about making a difference in their needs. Now you'll hear me talk to you about Erdo and maybe Pastor Jay, I know he's a supporter of Erdo and he can tell you about Erdo, but you may say, you guys are Pentecostal Assemblies of Canada preachers. Of course you're going to think Erdo is a great thing. Well, I want to talk about our reach and our reputation beyond the PAOC. In Canada, there's an organization called Charity Intelligence. It's a third-party organization that researches and rates charities. They go beyond the numbers to see, the, to, to see the, uh, the standards to which programs are run. Erdo has a five-star rating with Charity Intelligence. We're in the top 100, listen to this number, we're in the top 100 out of 86,000 humanitarian charities in Canada. One, top 100 of 86,000. Uh, for the last, not just this year, not just this year, for the last five years, we've been recognized as a top 100 charity by McLean's, by Money Sense magazine, and by the Financial Post. We're very thankful that we're recognized by other, by other sources outside the movement. But how many know that we work to a higher standard, not just the standard of the public recognition? We understand and we believe that everything we do is done for the glory of God. We seek to be good stewards of every dollar that God has given us. And in everything, even in small successes that we might find, God is glorified. Now you may say, well, yeah, you can talk all about this, John, but how do I know that Erdo is actually going to do what they say they're going to do? How do I know if I give money to a, the rural poor in Bangladesh, for example, that they're actually going to receive the money that I'm sending them? The answer is yes, they will. 89% of every donation goes directly to the programs that we're talking about. Some of the funds go to the cost of running our programs overseas, which mean we're employing local people to do things like hand out food and, and take care of children or visit families. The rest of the funds go directly to the families that are being ministered to. And we follow internationally recognized humanitarian standards to ensure there's not corruption going on in the program locations. One incredible component about Erdo is that we are given opportunities to have money that is raised towards the goal, be, have, be partnered with the Canadian Food Grains Bank. They look at us and say, this is a need, we want to match your giving. So if you get a dollar, we'll match it. And that's a pretty great deal. A one-to-one -one match is pretty incredible. But there are times when the, when the drought is severe, like it was in uh, in. Ethiopia in 1983. Right now, for example, some of you may not even be aware that there's a, a drought taking place in Somalia where half of the population is literally starving. 
Erdo, with other international partners, has been feeding 1,000-plus families since January. But there's a matching opportunity right now. It's not one-to-one. -one. It's not $2 for every one that we raise. It's not $3. It's four-to-one. It's a four-to-one match currently being offered for Somalia. And I've been working on my math skills. If you give me $100, that means that becomes $500 to meet that need. Isn't that an incredible opportunity right now? How many know that that's better interest than you get from the bank right now anyway? I want to talk to you today about some of the things that Erdo's involved in. Every year we distribute $9.3 million in resources to people in need in an average of 30 countries. We're caring for 8,300, it says 8,000, it's about 8,300 actually child care plus sponsored women. That's our chi child care plus children. That's our, our child sponsorship program. We respond to crises as they occur. This year, of course, the war in Ukraine and last year, the war in Ukraine has been, has been a target. We, we, we touched the, the, the earthquake in Turkey and began immediately to resource the people that are there serving to begin to get that population back up and running. You know, two and a half weeks ago, I think it was when the, or maybe it's three and a half already, time slips, but the, the earthquake hit Morocco. Within three days, I got a text, and the text said, John, if people want to give towards, uh, towards Morocco, here's how they give, and we'll get it there. And I think, friends, that is really one of the biggest benefits to Erdo. We operate 55 relief and development projects at one time. We respond immediately when crises occur. And, and as I was saying, one of the strengths of Erdo is that when a crisis happens somewhere in the world, chances are we have one of our PAOC global workers that are in that region. All the PAO, all our projects, all the Erdo projects are administered by PAOC global workers. So if there's a, a child sponsorship program, there's great accountability because our workers are doing it. If there's a crisis that takes place, if we have a partner, a missions global uh, representative in the air, we can get the money the next day to them. And friends, if we don't have a partner in the region, we have 33 other international uh, organizations that have the same passion and, and vision and mission spiritually to impact the world as we do. And we can get the money in their hands almost immediately. I just referenced the fact that we, that we, uh, we, have, we work with the global workers and also other international partners. Let me tell you a little bit about what Erdo does. There are three, I like to say three stools to the Erdo, um, sorry, not three stools, three legs to the Erdo stool. And the first, they are crisis response. I'll talk a little bit about that. Child care sponsorship, and I'll talk child care plus sponsorship, and I'll talk about that in community development. First, let me talk to you about a crisis work. One of the first things we do when a crisis is we try to get funds into the area to make a difference. Our response to that would include providing locally assessed uh, and appropriate food relief, child safety, water, sanitation, household needs, livelihood protection. For example, when, when the earthquake hit Turkey, we were, be able, we were able to get money in February the next day and, and, and begin to touch people to help them get back what they had lost. And Erdo was all about crisis response. Pastor Jay and the leadership, you'll know this, that whenever a crisis breaks out, you'll get a letter from Erdo saying, hey, listen, here is the opportunity if your church wants to give. And you've done that. This church has given to crisis response in the past. Something else we do is child sponsorship. And I'm going to, there we are, child care plus. 
Uh, Child Care Plus is our, is our sponsorship. It, it's, it, you see the information, it's affectionately called CCP. $41 a month provides access to good food, clean water, education, and access to medical care. And we are endeavoring to touch the lives of children between 0 and 18. I often say when I'm, when I'm speaking, and I'll say it now, that, that, uh, that we were blessed to be born in Canada, weren't we? Isn't this an incredible country? How many know we live in the, uh, arguably the best country in the world? Yes? Three of you do. I'm happy to hear that. Thank you. For the rest of you, I, I don't know what the issue is. I don't know, maybe, I don't know what's going on. But anyway, we are blessed to live here. Did you do anything to deserve to live in Canada? I had nothing to do with me being born in Canada. Nothing. I can explain it to you later, but I had nothing to do with it. Kids that are born in poverty, did they have anything to do with where they're born? Is it their fault? that We live in Canada, so we must deserve it. Do they deserve to be living in poverty? No. And so we have the opportunity to reach in and make a difference. And I, I have a short video that I want to show you this morning about child sponsorship. Why don't you take a look at that? We're in Seinsuk Village, which is a village with over 10,000 families, and we are in village number five, which has 20,000 families in this tiny little area. I am global worker Tiffany Rowley here in Phnom Penh, Cambodia. Here in Cambodia, my main role is Child Care Plus, and we have 13 different CCP communities throughout the country in seven different provinces. And what that looks like is you as a sponsor would sponsor a child for $41 a month through Child Care Plus, and that provides education, school supplies, school uniforms, a nutritional supplement each month, medical care, and all the way through to post-secondary uh, college or a trade. And so those are all the things that my office take care of here in Cambodia. The communities that we work with here in Cambodia range from rural poverty to urban poverty. And so we have a big dynamic amongst the children and the families that we work with. And uh, in this community in particular, which is where we are today in Sinsup, uh, the communities here do not have access to their own land. They have no land rights. Water and sanitation is very difficult. Some have it, some don't. And so we are working directly with those families, not just to alleviate some of the physical aspects that they are walking through, but to bring holistic development to who they are in Christ as well. The chiefs and the elders of these communities are coming to us and they're wanting more kids in the program. And it's because they see that the families of CCP are different than the families in, the, in their surrounding areas. And I'm happy to say that that is because of a transformed life, because of the gospel. When you sponsor a child, you're actually able to stop the, not only the cycle of poverty through education, but through the family dynamics, you are able to stop human trafficking. When a mom comes to know the Lord, the value of life changes for that family. She will no longer allow her kids to be put in vulnerable situations. She will no longer allow them to be sold for sex. Um, the dad, when he comes to know the Lord, all of a sudden has a value for his wife and his children. And so child sponsorship is essentially ending the cycle of abuse in various forms here in Cambodia. We're right at the very cusp of having our CCP kids graduate grade 12 go to post-secondary, go to university. And already, even though they're in their university studies, they are giving back to their community through teaching English and music in the church or in the community, in the community center. 
and they have a desire to see the families in their communities where they once were to also be changed as they are being changed. To those of you who've sponsored kids currently and in the past through Child Care Plus, I want to say a huge thank you. Your investment is for the children of tomorrow. These kids are growing up knowing the Lord and wanting their nation to be changed, not just for him, but in the physical sense as well. They are not satisfied to have the Cambodia that they grew up with be the Cambodia of tomorrow, and they desire change, and that is what's going to happen. When Tiffany talks about when a mother gets saved, she won't put her kids in vulnerable situations. She won't let her children be sold for sex. We don't even, we can't fathom that in North America. And that's the reality of the world they live in. Your child sponsorship makes a huge difference. And I thank those of you that have been involved in that. The final focus I want to talk about is, micro, is community, uh, community development and microfinance. And microfinance is something when women are caught in, and we have a, something called the 365 Project, which means we support women every day of the year trying to rescue women that have been sold into slavery, set them, out with, set them up with a microfinance loan so they can get a shop and they can start selling goods and, and, and supplies and, and crafts and things to get them out of that. We believe very strongly in that. Clean water, agriculture, livestock programs, many more things are involved in that. One thing that Erdo likes to do is they like to layer uh, projects. So if they've got a sponsorship area, go, a sponsorship going on in a certain area, they'll start digging and doing wells there and the church will be the ones that will be seen to be doing it that the church becomes begets becomes the center of the community because they are the ones that are blessing the community so it's an incredible what takes place through Erdogan community development now I have a lot more that I could say but I I want to take off my Erdo hat for a second just to say thank you Mapleview, you may not have known about this, about Erdo, some of you, but your church has been incredibly generous over the last number of years uh, to Erdo. Over $30,000 in the last three or four years that you have given uh, to, to Erdo to support the ministries that we're doing, and I'm so thankful that you're doing that. Thank you for the difference you're making in the world. Let me, set, let me set aside my Erdo hat for a minute and just talk briefly, if I can, about the feeding of the 5,000. Uh, Jay told me I have until 1.30 uh, today for my sermon, so I hope you're good with that. Um, as we talk about the feeding of the 5,000, I don't know if you knew, but there's only two stories, two miracles that are included in all four Gospels, and this is one of them. How many of you know what it's like to wake up and need a coffee in the morning? And if you don't get your coffee... You're, you're not happy, right? You don't want to talk to anyone. Or you, you know what it's like to be hangry. You're so hungry and, and you just need something and you're unhappy until you get that. Well, we say things like we're starving or we're so hungry, but we open up our fridges, right? We look in a full fridge and what do we say? There's nothing to eat, right? That's not the world that Jesus came into. Jesus came into a world where people weren't sure where they're getting their next meal sometimes. When Jesus prayed, give us this day our daily bread, that's a ridiculous prayer for us. We have Cobb's bread, we have Panera bread, we have all kinds of bread, but in Jesus' world, they were hungry. I want to start today by saying, that's the, that's the, the, the context of the feeding of the 5,000. Let's talk about it briefly. I want to encourage you today to join in God's mission. They're uh, joining God's missions. Uh, despite the fact it's mentioned in all four Gospels, 
There are differing details from time to time in the different Gospels. Matthew and Mark offer separate reasons why Jesus went into the wilderness. Matthew said they just got the news that John the Baptist had been beheaded. They were distraught. They went off. And they, then they were interrupted by people that came and wanted them to minister to. And then in, in Mark's account, it's a different reason. They were exhausted because they'd been healing so many people. Jesus had been healing. So many had been coming that Jesus said, let's get away if we can. Have you ever been discouraged by a loss? or exhausted because of a busy schedule and needed to get away. That's where the disciples and Jesus were. So they went out in the wilderness, and then all of a sudden their solitude was interrupted by 5,000 men and at least as many women and children. Jesus wasn't annoyed, but rather he, he taught them. The Bible says he healed their sick. He taught them about the kingdom. These people that were between two kingdoms and, and looked down on and persecuted, they would have been so excited to know that they could be part of this kingdom. But the day started getting away from them. And when the day got away from them, uh, they approached Jesus and said, let's, in Matthew, Mark, and Luke, they approached Jesus and, and said, we got to send these people to find food. And Jesus said, no, you feed them. In John's account, it's a little different. It's Jesus that initiated the conversation. He says to Philip, where are we going to get food for all these people? And then John offers a side note. Jesus already knew what he was going to do. He only asked to test them. So Jesus said, where are we going to get food? And Philip says, eight months' wages would not buy enough bread for these people to even have one bite. Friends, it's interesting because Jesus asked a question at one level where... And Philip answered at another level, how? Pastor, author, seminary professor Mark Buchanan says of, of this exchange that Jesus was asking a where question, a, a faith question. But Philip was answering with how or the logistics. Friends, I think sometimes we do the same. We know of a need, but rather than saying God knows about it already, he's going to do it. We say, how are we going to meet that need? How is our puny little amount of faith going to make a difference? How are we going to get enough volunteers? How are we going to do that program, that ministry? It's so labor expensive, friends, labor uh, intensive. Friends, when we begin obsessing over the how, we erroneously believe that God doesn't have the answer already. And we think then it's about our resources and our capacity and our budgets and our strategy. And Jesus knew all along what he was going to do. When God asks a question of us, friends, he knows. He's just testing us. And we just need to be obedient. We just need to get ready to join his mission. The next thing I want to encourage you is to give what you have. Jesus asked where, and there's one kid in the whole group that gets up and says, I, I can help. I have five loaves and two fish. See, Jesus only needs one person. To say yes and it's on. Now you can tell by looking at me that I have not missed all that many meals in my life. But if I was this little boy and Jesus said, hey, I want some food. Anybody have food? If I was the only one in a crowd of 10,000 people that had the foresight to pack a lunch, I probably wouldn't be worth and willing to share that. I'd say, I hear my mom. I got to go. I'm eating my own uh, food. No way. But with one boy's willingness, the kingdom began to break out. Friends, God's kingdom needs two things. Someone to say, I'll sacrifice what I have. And then people to start serving in that mission. Finally today, I want to encourage you to say yes to God. When the kingdom can go forward and people begin to say yes to God, not making excuses, 
not reducing the kingdom to our capacity, our strategy, we find that three things happen. First of all, everybody gets what they want. All the people were fed. Second, nothing got wasted. They actually collected. And the third thing, there's leftovers. When we give what we're able to give, we'll have more than we need. But the reverse is true as well. If you, if you evade the mission of God, you'll chronically be dissatisfied. You'll waste a lot, and you'll never have enough to go around. Friends, my question to you today is about meeting the missional needs of the kingdom. It's this, which mentality will you pick? The, the where are we going to get it, God? You know, where are we going to, or the how is it ever going to be enough? We're not going to have enough. Friends, I think Jesus is looking for followers to partner with them. You've got a great challenge before you to meet a, a, an exorb, a, a huge, a huge uh, ask of $250,000. But I know you can do it because you've more than exceeded it in the past. You've got that challenge in front of you. But I don't think, I think some could say, oh, that's a lot of money. How are we going to do it? Friends, we don't have an inkling even of all that God wants to do as we partner with him. He can do abundantly beyond what we can ask and think. So, so I'd like to be like, I want to be like the little boy who says, even though it doesn't make sense to me that you can use my five loaves and two fishes, here it is, I give it. The widow's two, widow's two mites, here it is, you can have it. How many of you be willing to take your loaves and fishes today and invest them in the kingdom to bring increase? How many of you be willing to answer the Lord by saying, here I am, I don't know how you can do it. I don't know how you can use me, but here it is, take it. Send me, use me, here's what I have. Friends, I just want to encourage you today. I know corporately your church has been doing this for a long time. And I encourage you to continue in that process. Continue to say yes to God. Continue to let your little become much when placed in the master's hands. I thank you for your past support of Erdo. I'd love to chat with you if you're interested in talking about some of the stuff we're doing. I'll be at a table at the door. I'd love to meet with you there. But I, I thank you, friends. I thank you for your time and listening today. And I pray you'll use your loaves and fishes to make a difference in the world. God bless you. Pastor Jay. Thank you, John. God bless you. You're listening to Maple View Community Church Podcast.